Dotnet Rocks, episode 1084, with guest Sahil Malik. Recorded Monday, December 15th, 2014. Back, back yes. in the studio. You like being back in the studio? Yeah, I love being on the road, but it's kind of nice being at the desk. Well, and I, I've mixed the NDC shows in with some studio shows too, so you know, just be careful. Yeah, and this is the curse of being who we are. We record stuff out of sequence when it airs, so keeping track of the whole time shifting thing is. I don't know, can get involved. Yep, man, it's just reality, you know. We, we're recording this before Christmas, and it's coming out after Christmas, so what are you going to do? Right, so I got to resist the urge to tell everybody what I want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> for example. For example. Just go through life as if it was three weeks from now, someday. You, you, you get confused. Yeah. All right, let's roll the music. I got something good for you. Awesome. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Unbounce. Unbounce? What is this? Unbounce.com. Go to unbounce.com. Okay. You should get it in about five seconds. Ah, less than that. It came up right away for me. Well, I mean, you should get what it does. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, the, I, my brain is fast. All right. A-B testing pages. All right. Yeah, and basically landing pages. Like, it lets you build out a, a marketing page for your minimum viable product, let's say, in just a few seconds. So it's great for business people who aren't developers to make a landing page and it hooks into all the standard web tools that you use, right? right. So like MailChimp and AWeber and Salesforce and uh, Infusionsoft and Zapier and all these co- Google, of course, all these great APIs, you can just sort of plug them in. Nice. And it's sort of got a WYSIWYG drag and drop HTML editor, which is neat. Yeah, you know, we're back to this sort of state of of generating web pages indirectly again after all this time of being very close to the metal on them. Yeah. I think they're because they're fast enough and, and, and building good pages is hard. There's so many different elements to it. I, I like this because A-B testing sounds simple until you actually try and do it. Yep. That's right. It's very cool. Cool find, dude. Love it. Yeah, I like it. Unbounce.com. Good one. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off of show 986. Uh, the show we did with Mr. Ted Pattison, we were talking about enterprise SharePoint development. And that was back in May of 2014. It was really the first time we started talking about this idea that that SharePoint, the marketplace for developers, is radically changing. Yes. And uh, Captain Code. All right. Well, whatever name you want, dude. Okay. okay. Captain Code says, Ted nails it with the development changes. Having worked with SharePoint since 2003. I'm sorry. That's That's tough. <laughs> 2003 was a hard time. <laughs> yeah. The majority of my work has been server side. Most of it hasn't even had a UI element as I was usually just creating automation and template pieces like event receivers, timer jobs, site and list definition and workflows. Although I did spend several months in info path. Hmm. Actually, I'm still celebrating its demise. Nice. Let's okay. uh, take a moment of silence for that. <laughs> Infopath, we never knew you, and we're better off. (laughs) I've been ramping up as fast as possible on various JavaScript frameworks that'll make client-side development easier, but it's a long process. Hey, kudos to you, man, for thinking totally differently, because obviously that's what it's going to take. Furthermore, the projects that I've been on didn't give way to using some of the great features of .NET, like Link and Generics, so Mm -hmm. I'm working on catching up on those, too. Awesome. At the end of the day, though, I'm glad it's forcing my hand and I'm trying to branch away from SharePoint to try other things. I think this is it, it, that last line is the one that really grabbed me about this comment from the captain. Mm. Uh, just because I, I don't want to think that you got to give up SharePoint. It's just sort of integrating into the standard set of skills now. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you, as you get drawn into that world, you're going to want to continue to play with SharePoint. I think it's an interesting part. You know, for a long time, and we talked to Ted about this, SharePoint was its own world. You sort of, you went away into SharePoint. There was lots of money. Yeah. 
but uh, it was its own world. And now it's clearly being drawn into a common world, and I think that's better. It's just a question of whether or not folks are going to continue to focus on SharePoint. Correct, yeah. So, Cap, thanks so much for your comment. .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or in any of our mobile apps. Because we got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. Hey, Richard, what's going on in Run-As Radio land these days? Oh, dude. Well, we just passed show 400. Awesome. Yeah. So it's been going on for a while. And uh, Kim and Paul joined me to record an absolutely off the hook insane episode 400. And, <laughs> uh, you know, we're having some fun. Uh, DevOps is a huge subject area. Yeah. Uh, certainly the cloud and virtualization is our uh, big topics. Right. Where Windows is actually going to land. You know, I think that's right. all up in the air for operations folks these days. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's interesting times and folks are concerned. But thanks for asking. Yeah. And if you don't know what we're talking about, Richard does this other show. He's been doing it for a long time called Run As Radio. And that's at runasradio.com. It's for Microsoft-centric IT people. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, yeah we got to 400 shows the hard way. One show a week. <laughs> yeah. The honest way. Well, before we go any further... Let me tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer, IT admin, and creative training online. They have thousands of technology and creative training courses authored by MVPs, industry experts, and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access with a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much everything Microsoft, including a complete SharePoint curriculum with courses by Sahil Malik on SharePoint 2013. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to Sahil Malik. He is a Microsoft MVP, Ineta speaker, a .NET author, consultant, and trainer, and a well-rounded, overweight geek. His words, not mine. He has a passion for SharePoint, data access, and application architecture, and loves interacting with fellow geeks in real time. His talks are full of humor and practical nuggets. And they tend to get very highly charged, fast-moving, and are highly interactive. You can check out his blog at blah.winsmarts.com. That's B-L-A-H, blah.winsmarts.com. Welcome back, Sahil. Hello, guys. How are you? Doing fine, doing fine. Uh, got to tell you, man, we got a lot of mileage out of that uh, developer fairies versus infrastructure ogres comment way back at, uh, I think it was Ordev? Or was it NDC? I don't even remember. It was in a weird room. I remember that much. Might have been NDC. It might have been NDC. Yeah. All I know is we had to stop recording because we were laughing so hard. <laughs> yeah, we're off the hook. There were tears <laughs> streaming down our face. Like we were wrecked. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, uh, it was it was a while ago. It's a changed world since then because you know, in the DevOps world today, I'm not sure if I'm a developer or an IT pro anymore. It's it's getting very confusing these days. Yeah. Well, if you're using Azure regularly, you're probably both. Yeah, uh, yeah. This cloud thing might just catch on. I guess <laughs> <laughs> it might be a thing. Might be a yeah. thing. As much as we try and fight it, even though I must confess, I think there are a lot of customers that are trying to fight it. But uh, but but I I think I think there's just no other way. Given the complexity of the software that we're dealing with these days, uh, it's just not possible for an in-house shop to have all those skills that, uh, these days anymore. You think uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of hybrid approaches where people are keeping their data on site, but um, all the processing and the services go up in the cloud. You seeing a lot of that? Well, certainly. Uh, I think, I think you know, with the Microsoft cloud offering, there are just so many options Yeah. Uh, that, uh, you know, with you, you can have things like Express Root, et cetera, that pretty much make Azure, practically speaking, a part of your own company network yeah. at that point. And, you know, down from, uh, you know, virtual machines to cloud services to websites and a billion other things in the middle. Uh, there's just so many choices that uh, it's basically you can cut and slice it to the way you please. Yeah, I think hybrid is going to be the norm going forward. There's no pure plays on anything. It's a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they're all yeah. supposed to work together. Yeah. I think 30 years from now will still be on hybrid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're never right. getting rid of on-premises. You know, it's just not not possible. I think uh, the, we haven't solved the speed of light problem. You know, the latencies and all that. Yeah. So you can't can't get rid of uh, bringing data close to you. So and that, and of course the big problem is people don't want their data or are legally obligated to have their data on-premises. They yeah. Want to, they don't you know feel sketchy about moving it. Exactly. Exactly. 
But, uh, you, you know, like since the last time we talked, there's been a smattering of technologies that I've been working on. And, uh, you know, between, say, JavaScript, uh, you know, mobile, I haven't done much Android, but I've done plenty of iOS and, uh, you know, Windows side of things, identity and access and, you know, Office 365. And, and when you look at all of these technologies and you can write everything from scratch yourself or save yourself years of work if you just tap into, you know, what the cloud offers. Mm. Did you hear the comment about uh, the SharePoint development? In uh, I did, I did. What do you think about that? I I, I think I think uh, you know the story goes both ways. Uh, on, on one side, well, okay, I, I'll I'll be a little frank as I've always been. Uh, it stopped me. Yeah. But SharePoint is from a uh, you know selling point of view, it's been awesome. Uh, and and as you correctly say, a lot of people have made a lot of money on it. But uh, from a technical perspective, is the is the product any good? Uh, and you know there are very strong opinions on on the shortcomings of SharePoint. Sure. And but you know rewind back to two thousand seven when the I'd say the current generation of SharePoint was created. Um, back then, SharePoint offered a ton of value. The fact that you could you know create lists and document libraries and and search etc. was just you know baked into the platform. There was there was a lot of value there. But since then, uh, .NET has improved a lot. The community is really pushing Microsoft to do things very differently. And, uh, you know, when you have things like Entity Framework Code First, the value of lists is uh, uh, not that much. I'm not saying it's zero, but it's it's diminished. Yeah. On the other side, SharePoint has been, you know, they've just added more on top of the same platform and it's turned into this monolithic beast that uh, that takes an army of very intelligent people to manage uh, and frankly you know like as much as we say microsoft should fix these things if you are microsoft it's not fixable uh, you know with with the huge install base that they have right they're not going to just go and change the database structure and take all the clustered indexes out it's just not practical right uh, they're not going to remove web forms uh, and you know i i was watching what they're talking about in net v next and they're saying Sometimes IIS is too heavy, and therefore we allow you to run things from a Linux machine on a you know console app. Right. I'm like, wow, you guys need to look at SharePoint if you think IIS is heavy. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, what a joke. But I get their point. I mean, if these days when everybody's moving to the cloud, the value of running .NET on a Linux VM is 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 awesome i mean you know sure linux vms even in azure are like one-fifth the cost of windows if i'm not right yeah and so really people fast are gonna jump onto that yeah but uh, you know i don't think they're going to run asp.net on mac i don't think that's that doesn't make any sense to me even though you, you can doesn't mean people will but on linux it makes sense but anyway, coming back to sharepoint and what i thought of that question uh i i think Microsoft rightfully is moving all of these services into the cloud. And then what they're doing is that they're cutting, slashing things that don't work or re-engineering them. Like they're going to, you know, stop supporting public websites uh, on Office 365. They uh, got rid of auto-hosted apps. So they've made changes. And that's forcing SharePoint developers to to get up to speed with the community, to get on top of... uh, you know, ASP.NET, I think there's a lot of value when you can use core CLR running on Linux talking to SharePoint. And then the question is, why SharePoint? Why couldn't I talk to Dropbox? And, you know, the way they've architectured Azure AD and Office 365, they're like, as of now, they're like 2,500 software as a service applications that are available in Azure AD. Some of them expose APIs. Then I can finally focus on my app and not not whether it's coming from SharePoint or, you know, whatever. Hmm. So, so on one side, yes, it's forcing SharePoint developers to be that way. But on the other side, if you're a regular .NET developer, consuming SharePoint is a matter of consuming a REST API now. Right. Um, and and I think it's forcing on the other side as well. You know, people are looking at things that Office 365 offers and says, I could write an iPhone app. They just released the iOS SDK for uh, Office 365. Right. So I could write an uh, you know iOS app that... Uh, you know, bring storage together from Dropbox and, and Office 365, and it's managed by my corporate policies. I think there's something absolutely amazing to be said about that. This, to me, seems like what the new SharePoint developer really looks like. This is a person who deeply gets 
the domain of a given business and is also dealt with the governance of that business, how they handle documents, how they communicate with each other, workflows and collaboration. Yep. And now they're just being offered this massive tool suite that does so much more where they can just plug pieces together. Admittedly, plugging is not that easy. And suddenly you have a lot more app in a lot less time. Absolutely. And, you know, when you look at, uh, you, you know, again, the question is, why just stop at SharePoint? And I'm, I'm just so darn excited about what Microsoft is doing since they had this new CEO come in. Um, and, and I'm looking at the, the amazing changes they're making and looking into the future. And it's, right. they're, they're finally making the right moves. They're, they're being aggressive mm. uh, and they are doing some amazing stuff. Like uh, one of the things I, I, I picked on was, you know, that nobody's really tapped into the enterprise mobile space very well yet. And this is something that I have been uh, fighting in for the last three, four years. Uh, and, you know, it's very, very fragmented right now. And, and all, you know, IT pros are trying to solve uh, iPhones with the same hammer uh, they solved Windows laptops with, as in, let's put VPN on that machine and, you know, on, on your iPhone, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, imagine if you had to VPN into Facebook server every time you wanted to update your status, nobody would use Facebook. You know, right. not <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, but on the other hand, you know, like Apple and iOS uh, and and the Windows phones, you know, they are coming up with per app VPN, et cetera, which is making that story more palatable. But on the other hand, you still need to be able to manage the, the security on your devices, you know, BYOD world. Uh, if you lose your phone, uh, but there is my data on your phone, should I be allowed to wipe your phone? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those are tough questions, and I, I think good answers are emerging to that. So one of the things I noticed uh, in, uh, I think, the declarative tech at Europe was that Windows Intune is, uh, and mobile device management with Windows Intune is going to be packaged uh, with Office 365. So if you have, uh, you know, uh, an e-subscription to Office 365, uh, basically MDM is free, absolutely free as long as you bite into Office 365. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, and I think I, I had a customer recently where we were dealing exactly that issue where uh, it wasn't so much the wiping. It was if there's corporate data on the device, then corporate has a responsibility to monitor that device, to know what's on it and so forth. I mean, from a liability perspective, this was a healthcare company. So they were concerned. They were doing research. It was FDA rules, which is a big deal. And it really upset the custom, the uh, employee that IT is spying on my device. And we were going back and forth on what the right way to do this is. is you know, for 300 bucks, you can get her another phone. Right. Yeah. Like, I know we can share devices, but should we? Hmm. Um, I, I think people eventually want to come to a point where uh, there, there, there are, I'd say, three categories of mobile devices. One right. is, you know, no trust, as in that you're a public user using an app from my company, like you're a Facebook user. Uh, you have a middle category where you have partners and then you have employees. And I think handing out a device is feasible to uh, employees, maybe partners. But I think you do want to figure out the the model of, you know, bring your own device and, and yet be able to do things securely. Right. That's a problem I think we need to solve. And the good news is that solutions are, are coming to that. The bad news is that, uh, and I'm going to use a quote from one of your recent .NET Rock shows, that I think the 90s really spoiled us that, you know, anytime we want to write something, it was Windows, Internet Explorer, and I'm done. Yeah, right. The world is very different. It's not just bring your own device now. It's wear your own device. I mean, the wearable stuff in the enterprise That's, is expected yeah. to connect to everything. And Yeah. So the number of devices is just uh, exploding and the platforms, uh, the number of platforms is exploding. And and I think I think. Uh, CIOs really need to, you know, think twice before they think, even think that they can do everything on premises themselves, because it used to be just Windows and Internet Explorer. Today, you have, uh, you know, four kinds of mobile platforms plus variables. Uh, you have many kinds of things, uh, uh, you know, on the, on the server side. And then you have insane amount of standards. And then you have hackers that are getting very smart and we're depending more on computers. You can't do it all yourself. It's yeah. just not possible. Sahil, can you break down for us the, you know, as developers, the marketing names? What is SharePoint? What is Office 365? Are these things, how are these things related? And, and who needs to pay attention to these products and names and monikers? Sure, I'd love to. So SharePoint was this product that Microsoft built and sold, uh, built on ASP.NET, but had tons of COM underneath. 
And it had uh, an amazing feature set right out of the box. And that's that's the reason for its success. Mm. Its shortcomings were uh, completely on-premises. Uh, and it was a behemoth of a product, extremely complicated. And it took, uh, you know, fairly highly skilled people to to tweak it mm. properly. And that's actually one of the reasons I went into SharePoint myself is because I saw this product and I thought, this is the only product that stretches every part of my head. Yeah. Right. You know, I've been working with Microsoft Technologies uh, since school. Uh, and, you know, as, uh, working from, you know, C++ com to today and from even from DOS and now, SharePoint every now and then shows you a commenter that that was like, I know how to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. But Office 365 is Microsoft's cloud offering. So I would say uh, Microsoft's cloud offering is split into two halves, Azure and Office 365. And Office 365 comes out of the the Office time, uh, you know, part of the world. You can think of Azure coming out of the Windows side of things in a way. But uh, Office 365 has got uh, SharePoint, Exchange, Link, and Office Client. But okay. what's different is it's cloud-based, and that doesn't mean that you cannot install Office Client on your machine. But the thing is, it is designed to be delivered through the cloud with minimal IT overhead. And at the same time, it is engineered through Azure AD to work completely with your, if you prefer, on-premises Active Directory or maybe even some other provider as long as it is standards-based. And the SharePoint part of Office 365, do we call it SharePoint 365? <laughs> what do we call it? Well, the word for it was SharePoint Online, but okay. the, the trend that I'm seeing recently is that they're almost deprecating the term SharePoint. Like if you right. log out to Office 365 now, you don't even see the word SharePoint in the, in the, in the, in the top menu. It says Sites, not SharePoint. So, and, but I think that's very smart of Microsoft. I think if a business user got the same functionality, do they care if it is SharePoint or Sites? Frankly, Sites makes a lot more sense. Uh, so that's uh, so SharePoint. I think is a small part of the Office 365 puzzle, an important part, but certainly not the main part. Now, in Share, I've always thought of SharePoint's origin, its root, and its viralness was about managing Office documents. Are we losing that now? Is it becoming like more focused on the CMS portal stuff, or is it? It's still really great at at taking all the Excel spreadsheets and Word documents and things related to a given project and keeping them in one place where you can find them? Well, I still feel that it is uh, deeply tied to Office. Uh, right. Things like Office web apps, et cetera, you know, they work with Office documents. Uh, Office documents are instantly made indexable and searchable, uh, and they are a lot more smarter. Uh, you know, search is a lot smarter if you use it against Office docs versus a PDF. Mm -hmm. uh, however, SharePoint is also extensible. So, uh, you know, you can, you can install iFilters, not in the cloud, but at least on-premises, you're able to do that. But then they've given us enough hooks where if that is what you really wanted to do and you've bought into Office 365 also, you can go with a hybrid implementation, half on-premises, half in the cloud. And when, it, when a user issues a search, for instance, you know, the PDFs may become from on-premises or sitting in an Azure blob storage or a document and backend, who knows, whereas uh, you know, stuff from the cloud comes from the cloud and the user right. doesn't care. They just click on a link. And I think, like we said earlier on, hybrid is the normal. You're always going to be like this. Yes. I, I believe it, hybrid is very, it's also very complicated, but I think as people move from uh, on-prem to the cloud, I think you'll be in hybrid for a long time. And there are many definitions of hybrid too. It's not just, you know, one way to install it. There's so many different ways of doing it. Well, and as long as we have an office with machines that need to communicate, you're going to have some piece of hybrid there. Yeah. I could imagine an all-cloud organization being we're all virtualized now and roaming with our mobile devices and, and working from home. And so there is no there there anymore. But I just I don't think that's normal. Yeah. Imagine a situation where you have, you know, what this is completely out of the box and a company uses just uh, email, like Exchange server. But uh, it's not inconceivable that they have locations like uh, a drilling rig where they have to have an offline experience. Right. And there you go. You know, you know, you must have hybrid. 
Well, and, and yeah, I, I deal with, with multinationals where latency matters, right? And it's like, you, you just can't have a central resource in, in Europe dealing with a customer in Australia. It's too far. You need to be closer. Latency certainly matters. And, you know, like both the three of us, we travel quite a lot. And, it, it, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, you know, all this technology, like I was looking at, you know, the new ASP.NET uh, project templates, you, you file a new project. And it goes to NuGet and gets all the references for you, the NuGet packages. Right. And what that tells me is that I won't be able to program in an airplane anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, like, I, I don't know what's your experience like hotels, but, uh, you know, like in Scandinavia, I have no problem getting online. But when I go to London at a hotel, you pay like 25 pounds. Right. Internet and you get internet slower than dial-up, you know. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm sure people at home over there have good internet, but at hotels, for even the nicest hotels, they don't have good internet. So it's a problem. Yeah, for London, I buy a SIM in Heathrow Airport that's got, the last one I got was 20 pounds for unlimited internet for 30 days. You just can't argue with that. And I set up my phone as my hotspot because the internet in the hotel was horrible. Yeah, I'm going to do that next time because I have a I have an unlocked phone finally. Oh, good. Yeah, life with unlocked phones is better. Where did you get it, Sahil? Well, I just I just waited my contract out with AT and T. All right. Yeah, I'm free from the crutches of AT and T finally. <laughs> good. So yeah, it'd be nice to have an unlocked phone when you travel. It's 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 nice because you know you're in the middle of nowhere in a country that uh, language you don't speak, and you're not online and Google Maps doesn't work and you're lost. And, you know, I've been in those situations. Yeah. Nice nice to have internet. Sure is. Yeah. All right. So uh, Office 365 Sites is uh, the new SharePoint. And what are, what are we talking about in terms of the things that we're going to see in that? What do, what do people expect to see in sites that may or may not be there? Well, so obviously, when we go to the cloud, we're going to see a subset of what you see on premises, and that that statement was true in 2013. Because mm. since then, what they've been doing is that they've been adding things that work only in the cloud that may or may not ever make it to on premises. Uh, so you have some interesting things over there, like uh, Delve is one of those things, Sway is one of those things. So they're rolling out these things, and the thing is, they can experiment uh, quickly. Uh, you know, with, with newer products. If it doesn't work, toss it on the site, try a new one. You got to tell us about Delve. We've talked a bit about it on Run As, but Carl, listen to this. Okay. So uh, I'll use a Microsoft tagline. There is uh, searching, what Google does, and then there's finding, which apparently if you have a better search engine. Uh-huh. And Delve is about discovering. Okay. As in, I didn't actually execute a search, but built on search technologies, Microsoft has written this app where it indexes every piece of content in a secure way, as in if I don't have access to something, I can't see it. Uh, and it'll bring that information in, in front of my eyes. Uh, as wow. an example, like I wish we had delved for the .NET world, uh, as in there's so much information for us to keep up with. Right. So in a corporate environment, it's it's similar, and Delve applies to corporate environments. But let's, you know, for simplicity's sake, like right now, I'm learning about, say, .NET Me Next, for instance. And uh, I have a friend, Richard, who is also interested in this technology, and we happen to be connected, uh, you know, through organizational network or something like that. And Dell will bring this information in front of me. It'll say, you know, you are interested in .NET. Your friend is interested in .NET. Maybe this is information you should look at because Richard has been looking at it as well. Wow. Then all the while respecting your access rights. And, and in the process, it'll index your mails. It'll index your SharePoint sites. It'll index, uh, you know, it, it, well, the indexing is is flexible. So you can have it index literally anything. Uh, and, and that's Delve. Wow. Now, I know what Sway is. That's a, a pretty cool uh, sort of a presentation thing that yeah. Microsoft is doing, and that's all Office 365 as well? Yes, that is also, it's also cloud-based. I think I think you're going to see all these cool things come out on the cloud, really. Yeah, Sway strikes me as like Microsoft's version of Prezi. Yeah, it's kind of Prezi-ish. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of a, I won't say PowerPoint, but because it's very web. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, Office 365 versus SharePoint, et cetera. But I think really down the road, and I think business users have always been in that camp, 
they really don't care if it is Office 365 or whatnot. You know, they want to be able to walk into a meeting with an iPad or, frankly, a device that we, you know, we should be able to support everything. And whether it's Sway, whether it's Prezi, that shouldn't really matter. Uh, you know, they, they, we need to give them like the best of breed or whatever they want. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Ah, uh, it must be that happy time again. You got it, man. It's time to look at a Delve page that returns the results of an anti-idiocy eye filter on this conversation and ignore <laughs> it. <laughs> Just because it's relevant doesn't mean you care. Ah, <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing, Sahil. That was n- no. Th- I, I'm actually. I was. I thought I was supposed to stay quiet on that, but I'm amazed how you're able to put these together in every single show <laughs> because because I like our first hand experience because I'm on this call we did not discuss the contents of the call beforehand no. you just came up with this it's that's yeah, pretty pretty much that's pretty amazing yeah I can tell by the way you're doubled over in laughter that it was really funny to you but anyway <laughs> it's time to give away a Telerik devcraft collection to one lucky member of the .net rocks fan club but first before I tell you who won Telerik DevCraft is the most complete .NET toolbox for web, mobile, and desktop development. With the addition of UI for Xamarin to the DevCraft bundle, you can now create compelling native mobile experiences with your C-sharp skills. Download a free trial at tinyurl.com slash devcrafttrial. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Pavel Ambrosiak. Congratulations, Pavel. Yes. The clappers are back. That's <laughs> how you know we're in the studios when the clappers you are back. You got it. Pavel just won a Telerik DevCraft collection. That's a big pile of awesome from Telerik in one box. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .net Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Absolutely. And we just did it. But you have to sign up to win. And also, we like to ask our guests, Sahil, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy, sir? Oh, I have so many answers to that. <laughs> right. I, I've been waiting for this. Okay. Every time I listen to your show, I'm like, I would have bought that. I would have bought it. Anyway, so uh, one of the things that has been on my radar for a long time is this e-bike made by a company called Stromer uh, out of Switzerland. Uh, check this out. E-bike. 82 miles range, goes up to 40 miles an hour, and it looks and feels like a normal bike, except when you pedal, it assists you. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's just got a big frame in it. They buried yeah. everything in the frame really well. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you can like if somebody steals it, you can disable the bike with your phone. That is pretty cool. Okay, now wait a minute. Um there's a bunch of electric bikes out there, but this one is particularly called the e-bike. It's called Stromer, S T R O M E R. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's cool. Uh, but I'll tell you what I uh, actually blew 5000 bucks on this year. <laughs> uh, I got that new Retina iMac 5K. Oh, man. Yeah. And I got a uh, Lissy Little Big Disc SSD Thunderbolt 2. Okay. Yeah. And, and check this out, Carl. It's, uh, it's, it's like you, you'd find this particularly interesting because you're deep into audio video. And I'm deep into running SharePoint VMs. So both of us have need for very, <laughs> very fast disks. Let's, let's call it that. <laughs> yes, right? that's true. So uh, the Lissy big disk, a little big disk is tiny. And uh, it's one terabyte. And you can connect it on Thunderbolt port to your MacBook Pro or iMac. And check out the read-write speed on this. How do you spell it? L-A-C-I-E. Lissy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Little big disk. Little bit disk, sorry. Little big disk. Yeah, Yeah, Thunderbolt 2. The read-write speed on this car is 1,300 megabytes per second. Holy man. Yeah, that's exactly the sound I made when I heard about that. Yeah, and uh, so my iMac hasn't showed up yet, but, you know, I've uh, moved completely over to using, you know, uh, Apple products for my main work. Uh, Not not because I'm a fanboy, but what was, you know, Writing a lot of mobile apps, I had been carrying PC and Mac. And what I figured is that I could carry less hardware if I just switched to Mac and had a Windows phone and an Android phone. Right. So I've I've got a MacBook Pro also, and I run uh, with uh, Boot Camp. I run Windows in it. 
which you can also run in parallels on a uh, VM. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing with bootcamp is that you can run an Android or Windows Phone emulator. Yeah. But I use VMware Fusion uh, because I didn't want to partition my hard disk. And mm -hmm. with VMware Fusion, uh, you know, I, I can't run uh, Android emulator or Windows Phone emulator because they use Hyper-V. Right. So, it, well, I've tried running Android, like some uh, weird builds of it, and it was just unbelievably slow, like 30 minutes to register a button click. It was unusable. All right. So, so I basically switched over to using, you know, iMac at home, which hasn't shown up yet, but and a MacBook Pro at home. Uh, and I, this little piece, it's amazing. You know, it, it can drive two 13-inch LCDs. Um, huh. it, it's a, it's a pretty pretty decent piece of uh, hardware, I think. Very cool. Yeah, and I got it with the one terabyte flash disk as well. So even on the MacBook Pro, I get like almost a gigabyte per second read write speeds. So it's it's pretty cool. So Sahil, let's uh, say you're a SharePoint developer who lot of, made a lot of money in the two thousands. Is your phone not ringing these days? Uh, luckily I'm not in that camp. I, and, and touch wood, uh, I've been busy as ever. And, and I think uh, the, I, I think the way to look at it is that technology is getting more and more complicated in, in a world where, uh, you know, a computer flushes the toilet for us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> only at Richard's house. <laughs> it, really? Well, that's cool. Um, uh, you know, I, I saw this toilet in Frankfurt where basically like as soon as you get off the toilet, it, it, the, the, the lid or whatever that thing is called spins around and cleans itself. It was fabulous. Yeah. But, uh, but in a world where, you know, that is a level of automation we're living in and, you know, with internet of things and wearables, we're not going to be out of a job anytime soon. And if, if you think about it, you know, like, uh, Sweden and Norway, and Denmark have a neighboring country that is North Korea, except there's Russia in the middle. Never mind. But on the <laughs> internet, <laughs> yeah. But but on the Close. internet, they are neighbors. You know, on the internet, they are neighbors. And you have governments trying to hack into our you know business critical systems. And identity and security is becoming very, very, very important. Uh, but on the other hand, people expect Facebook like ease. They want to be able to pull up their iPhone and access business critical systems. So if you were a company that in the 2000s invested a lot in, uh, you know, in SharePoint, because that was the thing of the day, today you have a lot more options. And uh, what do you think some of those options are besides Share, you know, Office 365 sites? Let's just talk about what options companies have today that they didn't have maybe even mm. seven, eight years ago. Well, first of all, I mean, SharePoint is not just one product. The best way to think of it is as an amalgamation of many products together. It's just so much in it. Mm -hmm. So the, the choices you have really depend on what parts of SharePoint you are using. If you're using it purely as a file store, uh, you know, you have lots of cloud storage options. Sure. Each of them offer different sets. The, the good news is that uh, a lot of them tie into Azure AD. Yeah. Uh, or they support standard. So if you prefer to use something like Auth0, that's that's okay too. Right. Um, and, you know, the, you can really pick best of the breed. So the, the, way, the way I answer, I'd like to answer that question is SharePoint was a Swiss knife. Uh, you know, it had a screwdriver, it had, uh, you know, a hammer, it had an electric saw, it had everything in it. But was it really the best screwdriver? Uh, no, it wasn't. Let, let's be honest, it wasn't. Didn't have the best wiki, didn't have the best blogs. But today with the cloud, you don't have to go with one product that is a Swiss knife. You can choose mm -hmm. the SharePoint's screwdriver if you prefer uh, or choose to replace it with somebody else's. But with with Azure AD, your identity flows across all of these. Your IT policies flow across all of these products. And you can plug in your own products in there. You could write your own web APIs or websites, and they can plug into Azure AD. So really, I think today we're back to uh, you know where we were. That's a pre-SharePoint where... Uh, you know, we could really pick the best of the breed. The The good news is today we've got very good building blocks. You know, all of these blocks offer, offer good uh, APIs. Right. And we can really build something that it, that the business users exactly want, which, which frankly, you know, having been through a lot of SharePoint pro projects myself, I would say that is what they did with SharePoint anyway. They took SharePoint, 
they completely unsharepointed it. <laughs> uh, I have seen project descriptions. I'm, I'm serious. I've seen project descriptions that say, we'd like you to unsharepoint SharePoint. Uh, okay. <laughs> In other words, skin it so it looks not like SharePoint? More than just skin it. They take away all the links and functionality and they just totally trim it down to uh, to a point where it's like, why were you even using SharePoint? Right. Yeah, but what you're talking about now is a web page. Yeah. E- exactly. Why didn't you just do it in ASP.NET? And then you ask them and say, well, if, if we had to do it again, that's exactly what we do. Mm, right. You know? Or, or the decision was made way above us, like the CIO went to some Microsoft presentation and got too excited, and then we're dealing with their decisions. So, you know, there is, you know, you have both both camps there. But on the other hand, there are companies that have made good use of SharePoint as well. So, And you think that, uh, that now, in 2014, that most of the SharePoint development that's going on is maintenance development? Or do you think that it's, uh, that people are still doing brand new SharePoint on-site installations. Uh, I think the, installations. the classic SharePoint development, the WSPs and the on-premises, the kind that we recorded videos on, Carl, that is definitely all maintenance. I personally yeah. have not heard of any new big major projects. Uh, I'm not saying there aren't any, but at least I haven't been asked for any uh, that, that are starting on SharePoint, uh, you know, classic WSP on-prem. Uh, where there is a lot of impetus, however, is is moving from there to Office 365. Uh, and people are looking for guidance on how to do that. Okay. And you pretty much have to do this. Like, it, I, I got to think it just creates a lot of fear in the average run-of-the-mill user to think Office in the cloud. Yeah. Uh, and, and what I'm seeing is that, you know, the all the investment and interest and everything that Microsoft is doing is, is for Office 365. Right. Uh, you know, the last SharePoint conference, I might as well renamed it to Office 365 conference. There was mm. like all the, there was no sessions on on-prem. Uh, you know, it was all all cloud. Uh, the way the way I see it is, you know, that they, SharePoint is like it's been around since 2001. We're in like almost 2015 now, so this dog is about 15 years old. Right, it's about to die. <laughs> yeah, and what they're doing is that they're cutting out legs and you know arms of this poor dog that has served them so well for all these years. They're cooking it up and feeding it to the new puppy that is Office three sixty five. So that's the new puppy. That's what that's who everybody thinks is cute right now. Uh, but but I'll I'll be honest. I mean you know don't underestimate the move to Office three sixty five. It's not a simple endeavor. There is right, yeah. a lot to be considered there. And when you're talking about deeply viral apps like SharePoint that are so permeating through an organization, like this stuff has legacy written all over it. It won't go away. You've, you've modified your workflow. You've built it into your company. You, I mean, how many old installations of SharePoint have you encountered? People don't upgrade SharePoint. They're kind of afraid of it. They are afraid to upgrade SharePoint. And I think the, the best upgrade strategy is to uh, little by little reduce your dependence on right. what you have on-prem and just build something new. Uh, you know, on in the cloud. You build away from it. You don't upgrade it. Yeah, exactly. Frankly, there are a lot of things in it that cannot be upgraded. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, we as techies, you know, we look at a product and we, we are able to sift marketing from reality. Like InfoPath, for instance, was a product that uh, a lot of us techies never liked. I, I've been in, you know, conversations with the you know, InfoPath team where the, the, the many of us clearly said that you guys really need to figure out a few things if you expect to survive, but they never did. And then technology moved on and HTML5, et cetera, just made it so easy to create forms, uh, not for the business user, but for developers that the product didn't offer any value anymore. But even today, right. you have a lot of business users lamenting the loss of InfoPath because, you know, it gave them a lot of power, drag, drop, create a form, and some people are still using it. Yeah. And, and you know, Microsoft will support it until 2013 or 14 whenever, or 2025, who knows, for many years. Uh, but, uh, but you know, the, the product was is a dead end. It's not going to upgrade to the cloud. Get over it. Mm-hmm. So do you think that this is why we don't see the, the moniker SharePoint being used as much in the cloud? They're trying to get away from that. I, I, I feel so, yeah. And, and also, when you say SharePoint, it also has a lot of connotation That's with right. the word. Yeah, that it's big and heavy and clunky and blah 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 and well, that's all true. But <laughs> but it's also a multi-billion-dollar business for Microsoft. Like it's yeah. got to take a lot of nerve. 
yes. to give up on something that makes you know that would be a well a big successful business on its own. Yeah, uh, you know exactly. But you know, I think for Microsoft or for any company, the best long term strategy is to just come out in the clear and just make the right decisions in the long term. Because is anything I've learned in my years on this planet, if something makes sense, it will happen. Right. Yeah. Eventually. Eventually. It may take some time, but it'll happen. So SharePoint had gotten too big and complicated and cumbersome to deal with. Writing WSPs was not scalable uh, from a personnel and maintenance perspective. So I think when they're when they're moving to CSOM and REST, and frankly, now they're giving more emphasis to REST, which is more of an open standard, I couldn't be happier. I fully support Microsoft in their in this brave endeavor. Mm-hmm. And, and in fairness, they're not leaving their customers behind. They are putting out a lot of guidance, a lot of documentation, and they're being very clear about their direction on this. And they are they're giving customers years of notice, you know, like five, ten years. And, and you know, you got enough time to move on to the new uh, to, to the new puppy. Uh, but the new puppy is it. You know, you you really have to get over your love of on-prem SharePoint. Mm. And and the value that that they're also able to add to it, like the example I was giving about mobile device management, you could do it all yourself. You could hire an Android expert. You can hire an iOS expert. And by the way, a security expert on the iOS platform, if you can find such people. And you could do this all around. Or you could just tap into what they've already done. Yeah, I'm totally with you, man. And, and And the funny part is, I think the folks that have been in the trenches in an organization making SharePoint work, while they may be frightened because their, quote, skills are are no longer as important, they also know everything they need to know about the organization, know what needs to be built next. Like they've really constructed a prototype off the back of these old SharePoint installations that could, you know, how many times have you sat back and go, if we had a chance to do this again, what would you do different? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, it's also... It's also very good that uh, with the emphasis that Microsoft is putting on open source uh, and, and you know, like ASP.NET is completely open source. Even their, uh, you know, issue list is completely open now. Yes, right. And, and I think that's fabulous. Now, now, the Office team and SharePoint team are far away from that. Uh, I don't think SharePoint will ever be made open source because... Because frankly, if you looked under the skirt of SharePoint, there's a lot of hair there. You'd you be horrified. <laughs> yeah, you'd be horrified. You'd be mortified. You don't want to look under under there. But so, but at least I think the fact that the rest of Microsoft is doing this is putting a lot of pressure on the SharePoint de- team to do the architecturally right things, yeah. not just you know cook stuff for the stage at TechEd. Uh, our demos and and you know then get the CIOs ex- excited and then it's our problem after that mm-hmm. the techies. So I I think it's good that Microsoft is really being pushed to do the right things. Nice. So um we we talked a little bit about sites but uh and we, you said that you know the stuff that isn't there makes sense that it's not there for on prem but when you talk to people about Office 365 sites what are the some of the biggest uh well, concerns and also, you know, sweet features. Sure. Uh, so w- w- this show could go on for about the next uh, 40 hours. If no, we I know, yeah. 10 minutes left and we're just getting to that. But <laughs> but let's look at a few big ones. Uh, the ones like, say, if you want to do anything serious with BI, uh, you know, then on-premises is your answer still. Uh, if, uh, but then on the cloud, you've got something called power BI that's very sweet, but yeah. it's not available on-prem. So I don't know. The lines are a little blurry there. Yeah. Well, and every time we've seen Microsoft be successful with cloud technologies, and I'm thinking specifically on the dev side, it's only when it's a clean path from on-prem to off-prem, you yeah. know, worker roles and web roles never went anywhere, but Azure website sure as heck has. Right. Exactly. Right. right. So, so then you have some paradigms like on premises, you got timer jobs, but in the cloud, you would replace it with worker roles or web jobs, uh, working as apps talking to Office 365. So there are some paradigms. So if you use this, use that. Uh, and then you have some examples uh, where uh, you had things available on prem, but there is absolutely no equivalent of those in the cloud or no hope for an equivalent. For instance, uh, the, the fast search engine, 
that was so incredibly tweakable in SharePoint 2010 has been made less tweakable in 2013, but it is still very, very compelling. And you will never get that level of control on in the cloud version, but the answer over there is that you use the on-prem version as a hybrid installation with the cloud version. Right. To the user, it doesn't matter. So you have you have different paradigms, but hmm. but I think there are so many things that that are available only in the cloud even today. Yeah. The the very fact that you know fast forward three to five years, and we'll all be you know using different devices, be it Windows uh, modern apps or iPads or you know something else, but it's not going to be a pure Windows world. And the the fact that I have an uh, Azure ADAL for every single platform I care about. Uh, the fact that I have an iOS and Android SDK for Office 365, you know, enables me to build things that I can only do in the cloud. Uh, you know, solving the same problem on on premises, the first challenge you'll run into is that how is my iPhone on, on the internet going to reach to an on-premises SharePoint server on premises? It's a right, solvable right. problem, but it's a much more difficult problem. Well, and in one sense, I feel like. The all Windows world was the anomaly because I'm old enough to remember 80s and 90s when we had a diverse set of clients. Yeah. The big thing for me now is not only we have a diverse set of clients, but so many form factors. It's one thing for me to get my SharePoint page to your phone. It's another thing for it to be legible. Yeah. And, and I think this multi-platform, multi-device world is actually good for us techies because now you have fair competition. Um, you know, companies, yes, it's more work for us, but but that's okay, right? That's That's good for us. Uh, you know, I, I, I insist that there would not have been an Internet Explorer 7 if there was no Firefox. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and on the same realm, I would say somebody needs to challenge Google on their search engine hegemony because they are, uh, you know, I, I think they're getting away with monopoly over there. Yeah, well, and they're getting F- investigated by the FTC, too. Yeah. It's just a question of how relevant search still is. When you talk about stuff like Delve, I was reading a piece on how a non-trivial number of people don't search for products on Google anymore. They just go directly to Amazon. Like The yeah. idea that we have centralized search is almost a moot point now. Yeah, but at the same time, Google has also forced the internet to be in a certain way. Uh, like everybody is focused on search engine optimization rather than you know feature optimization for the user. Right. Uh, otherwise, you won't be discoverable. Uh, and and also, uh, I think it's made the problem of uh, protecting your IP on the internet almost an impossible task because the moment you protect it, it's not indexable, and then you're not findable. Yeah, and, and that's a, that's a problem. I think I think with Google's current position, they are stifling innovation, and I really hope somebody challenges them, just like Microsoft was challenged in the early 2000s, and it was good for the industry. I, I hope that happens to Google. I wish them plenty of good experience on that. We do too. <laughs> Sahil, thank you very much for joining us this hour. It's been great talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Transmit a band by the FCC.